In 1901, a woman by the name of Annie Taylor climbed into a barrel so that she could ride that barrel over Niagara Falls, the first person to do so. The reason for her crazy endeavor? She was struggling to make ends meet, and she was hoping for fame and financial security. It's Ryan from United Faith Mortgage, a faith and family mortgage team that tries to improve your financial outlook without having to ship you over a 170-foot waterfall. Our mortgage team happens to be an arm of a bigger company who is a direct lender, which means our company gets to use its own money and make its own decisions within its own walls. There's no middleman. This advantage often allows us to get you a better rate, which can save you monthly and lifelong money through a refinance, or help you with a cash-out refinance, cashing out some of your home's equity to use for life. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Melville Park Road, Melville, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Corporate NMLS number 1330. Equal housing lender. Not licensed in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Utah. Good morning. You're listening to Mornings with Tom and Tobby. And joining us right now is Ray Comfort. He is the founder and CEO of Living Waters and the best-selling author of more than 100 books. He's the co-host of an award-winning television program that airs in 190 countries and the producer of award-winning movies that have been viewed by millions. And he's joining us now to talk about his book, How to Make Sure God Hears Your Prayers. Ray, welcome back to Mornings with Tom and Tobby. It's good to be back. It's always a good sign to be asked back. So I just wanted to talk to you ab- about this book that you wrote, because many define like the fear of God as reverential awe, right? And they assume that God hears every prayer and moral goodness will actually get them into heaven. But God requires true repentance and trust in Jesus, and that's only possible when the law actually exposes our sin. And so I would really love for you to unpack this concept for us. What does it actually mean to fear the Lord, and why should we fear Him if He loves us? You know, it really doesn't matter much about God hearing prayers until you're hanging over a thousand-foot cliff by your teeth or you're in a plane upside down in severe turbulence at 20,000 feet. That's when you need to know that God hears your prayers. You know, if you want uh, an audience, you want to have a chat with the King of England, you can't go in your pajamas. A certain etiquette that you have to make sure you, you adhere to. You may even have to bow your head slightly on, or say certain words. And it's like that on steroids with God. The Bible says, Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? He that has clean hands and a pure heart. And Scripture says, If I have iniquity in my heart, if I regard it, the Lord will not hear. Our sins have made a separation between us and our God, says Isaiah, so that he will not hear. That doesn't mean God doesn't hear you. It means he'll take no notice. And so it's important to look at Scripture and say, What does the instruction book say? And it says of Jesus, he was heard in that he feared. And as you mentioned in the intro, I I, I believe that's more than a reverential fear. Let me tell you why. I mean, most people say we should be in awe of God. We should should reverence him. You know, there's a way to get the fear of the Lord and just move to Texas during a thunderstorm. Lightning and thunder put the fear of God in you. (laughs) That's a great thing to do. God, we should take plane loads of people just to get the fear of God in them in a Texas thunderstorm. But yeah, Jesus said this, fear not him who has power to kill your body and afterwards do no more. So what he's saying is, if someone's going to stab you through the heart with a knife, don't fear him, but fear him who has power to kill your body and cast your soul into hell, fear him. 
So what he's saying is that our fear of God should be so much greater than fearing someone who can kill our body. That's more than a reverential fear. Let me try and explain it with an experience I've had or experiences I've had. When I lived in New Zealand 30 or 40 years ago, uh, the police didn't have guns. If a criminal was naughty, they would hit him with a stick, as they did in England. And so when I moved to the U.S. and open-air preached, I had an advantage over most Christians because when a police officer walked towards me, all I'd say in my mind is, he has a gun. If I move too quickly, put my hand in my pocket, this guy can legally kill me with that gun. If he's fearful of his life, he wants to get home to see his family. And so whenever I've been stopped open-air preaching, I don't go on about First Amendment rights. I don't go on about you're a servant of the people sort of thing. I say, yes, sir, no, sir, where do you want me to move? And I've, I've moved, been moved by police, and it's always been cordial, uh, over a dozen times. That fear I have of the police is not a reverential fear. It's greater than that. It's a fear of what he can do to me. And that's what Jesus is saying. Fear not him who has power to kill your body, and afterwards do no more, but fear him who has power to kill your body and cast your soul into hell. Fear him. And that sort of fear keeps me from looking at the pleasure of pornography, listening to gossip. The Bible says, through the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, and you and I need to cultivate that fear because of the fact that sin is so deceitful. You're hearing the voice of Ray Comfort kind of walking through the fear of God, that reverential awe. It's more than that. It's more so. And thank you so much for just opening that up to us, Ray. And, you know, there are some contemporary thinkers out there right now who really don't want to address the consequences of sin, the gravity of sin. So how can we actually address those consequences while providing the gospel of hope and love? Can you do both? Yes, you can. Let me just stay on the fear of the Lord just for a minute. A personal anecdote which, just, which uh, illustrates actually what you're saying and what you're asking. When I was 16, I wasn't a Christian. This was six years before I came to Christ. I found myself out the back of a dance hall in the dark in a long grass with a very pretty young girl who was also 16 years old. As we lay us together, uh, my intentions were not honorable. I wasn't a Christian, didn't fear the Lord at that point of time. And she said something to me that put the fear of God in me. And it was just four or five words. As we lay there, she said, you know what? God is watching us. And that was like a bucket of ice fell from the heavens. I just stood up and said, let's go back into the dance hall. I look back and say, boy, the fear of God kept me from evil. The fear of God kept me, even though I wasn't a Christian, kept me from making a terrible mistake, from getting a young, perhaps getting a young girl pregnant, bringing shame to a family bringing shame to my family, because that's what happened in those days. Uh, I could have instigated an abortion. I don't know. But I look back and say, thank you, Lord, for putting the fear of God in me, even while I wasn't a Christian. And so what we've got to do, if we, if we want to keep our hearts free of sin and use the fear of God to do so, make sure God hears our prayers, is realize that the Bible always equates sin with death. The wages of sin is death. The soul that sins, it shall die. Lust brings forth sin. Sin, when it's conceived, brings forth death. And so if we do that within our minds, sin won't be so deceitful. It won't be so, such an enticement because if we can't hate sin for what it is, we must hate it for what it does. And if you look at every evil on this earth, every bit of suffering, every child that's, that's killed, every 
uh, every uh, woman that's beaten by a husband or uh, every bank robbery, every war, all the adultery, all the fornication, hatred, murder, all these things trace it back to that one word, sin, all the suffering. And I like to think of the words of Jesus when he spoke of the golden rule and see how powerful they were. Treat others as you'd have them treat you. If we could do that, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have no murder, no rape, no adultery. No one would uh, steal from anyone or lie from anyone. All the police would be out of work. No judges, no lawyers. Just think of that. No oh, jail. Amen. All these, things, all these things would happen as a consequence of us loving other people as much as we love ourselves. It's so simple what Jesus said and so, uh, so profound. But we can't do that. We don't have the ability to do that because we're selfish by nature. And that's why we need the new birth when God puts his love in our heart and causes us to walk in his statutes. Oh, you're hearing the voice of Ray Comfort. Thank you so much for kind of talking to us about the importance of the fear of God and having that in our lives and in our heart. Even before you knew the Lord, Ray, he was showing you himself and keeping you from so many different things just by having that kind of fear in you. Thank you for sharing that story. Yeah, I look back and, you know, I cried out to God six months before I was saved, and I didn't even think I was crying out to God. I looked at my wife, newly married. And so she had gone to sleep, and I thought how much I loved her and how death could snatch her from me at any moment. And it just made the whole of my life with all my material possession uh, possessions seem like futility, like I had a Solomon experience. Vanity, vanity. All was vanity because of this terror called death. And I looked up to the heavens, tears streaming down my cheeks, and just cried out, why? Why? It just didn't make sense that all humanity is on death's row. And God heard my cry, even though I wasn't crying out to him, and saved me six months later. And I can't tell you the explosive gratitude that is resident in my heart that drives me to reach out to the, to the lost and do the will of God. Gratitude is a, a, a high-octane fuel that I have that gets greater and greater every day as I get closer to death. I'm 73. I may not finish this interview. And I just so thank God that death has lost its sting. What, what a... What an incredible thing we have in Christ. That's just an understatement of eternity. God's granted everlasting life to all those who repent and trust in Jesus. He promises to save us by his grace, without works. We don't just strive at anything. It's just a free gift of God. What, how can we not speak that which was seen and heard? Let me just address something else that I think is very relevant, if I may. Of course. The Great Commission, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, is a terrible reproach on human nature. It's like saying to a doctor who's got patients around him who are, who are dying and he's just found the cure for that cancer that's killing everyone and saying to him, make sure you take that cure to those patients. He shouldn't have to be told. He should just run to them with a cure. And we shouldn't have to be commanded to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The moment we're saved, we should just run to do that because we love people. So it's a reproach on on human nature that we have to be commanded and we feel so um, uh, such a difficult irksome task to share the, share the love of God with sinners. Well, Ray, I've got a, another question for you, especially as you were talking about sin. If we don't really uh, hold in high esteem what sin is, then we should take a look at it for what it does. But sin seems to have um, a grip on our lives, and we see people who are steeped in it in our lives. So I'm going to ask this question. How do we respond to those that we actually see falling into sin and respond to them without being judgmental or hypocritical? How do we do that? Well, I have two keys, two uh 
Two wonderful keys that help me when I share with the lost. The first key is that I don't address the intellect, I address the conscience. The intellect, according to Romans 8 verse 7, is the place of argument. The carnal mind is enmity against God. People are in a state of hostility towards God. In fact, the, the evidence of that is they use his name as a cuss word. They use the name of Jesus as a cuss word. No one in history has been so despised that their name has been used as a cuss word, not even Hitler. And so people are in a place of hostility. So I want to move away from that carnal mind to the conscience, the work of the law written on the heart, because it bears witness with the Ten Commandments. That's what the scriptures say, Romans uh, 2, verse 15. The work of the law on the heart uh, bears witness with God's law. So that's what I address. And secondly, I take advantage of the fact that every human being has a will to live. They're not a dog, cat, horse, or cow. God has placed eternity in their hearts. They're made in his image. And something in them says, oh, I don't want to die. So I begin a witnessing session often with something like this. Are you an educated person? Are you well read? And they say, oh, yes, very well read. What's the biggest selling book of all time? I say, I don't know. I say, it's the Bible. Have you ever read it? No. Do you know the Bible in the Old Testament, God promised to destroy death? And in the New Testament, it tells us how he did it. Did you know that? And you see their eyes widen. <laughs> the God destroyed death. Did you know how he did it in the New Testament? And that's because they've got this will to live, that haunting fear of death. And so they're the two things that I tap into. And I say, well, let me share the gospel with you. But before I do, I have to take you through the Ten Commandments to show you you need God's mercy. Is that okay? And they say, yeah. It's like a doctor. He's got a cure to cancer in his pocket. He's got a guy in front of him who thinks he's incredibly healthy. He's not going to give him the cure while he thinks he's healthy because he won't take it because he thinks he's healthy. He's got to show him the disease. So he will, with great deliberation, hold up x-rays, point to them, show him the poison seeping through his system, make him sweat, make him tremble, make him fearful. And when he says, oh, doc, I see how serious this is. What should I do? That's when he gives them the cure. And that's when they appreciate it and appropriate it. And that's what we do with the gospel. The x-ray is God's commandments, and the gospel is the cure. And they're, they're the two things that help the gospel make sense and help me get rid of any animosity towards me and towards what I'm saying. Wow, that's absolutely beautiful. And uh, as we're wrapping up with you here, Ray, I do have a question for you specifically because there's somebody listening to us right now who feels like God does not hear or answer their prayers. So if you're sitting in a coffee shop with somebody right now, what would you tell them? Oh, I'd lean over to them and say, do you think you're a good person? And he would probably say, yeah, I think I'm a pretty good person. So let me see if I can change your mind. How many lies have you told in your life? He said, oh, I've told a stack. Ever stolen something? Yeah, just little things. I say, so you're a lying thief? And he says, well, I guess I am. Have you ever used God's name in vain? He says, I do that all the time. I says, one to go. I appreciate your honesty. Jesus said, if you look at a woman and lust for her, you commit adultery with her in your heart. Have you ever done that? He says, man, I, I do that all the time. I said, well, I'm not judging you, but you've just told me you're a lying thief, a blasphemer, and an adulterer at heart. If God judges you by those Ten Commandments on Judgment Day, do you think you'd be innocent or guilty? He says, well, I'll be guilty. Would you go to heaven or hell? He says, uh, I'd go to hell. What should I do? And I say, oh, God is rich in mercy. He provided a savior. You and I broke God's law, those Ten Commandments, and Jesus came and paid the fine. Like someone pays your fine in court. If you've got speeding fines, the judge can let you go. 
Because of the death and resurrection of the Savior, God can let you go. He can take the death sentence off you. He can save you from just damnation and grant you everlasting life as a free gift upon your repentance and faith in Jesus. So today, confess and forsake your sins. Put your trust in Jesus like you trust a parachute. Very simple. And the Bible promises, and God cannot lie, that he'll grant you everlasting life as a free gift. And that's what I would say to that person. I think you just did. Ray, thank you so much for being here with us on Mornings with Tom and Tommy. What a a treat to hear your passion for sharing the truth of God's Word with people who so desperately need Him. We are all in need of the exact same cure. And you said you have this way of leading people directly to Him in such a way that's not uh, confronting, if I can call it that. It's not argumentative. It's a compassionate sharing of the gospel without watering down the truth. Yeah, and people can see it down on our YouTube channel. It's got 232 million views. And as you see it again and again, it'll really help you. So it's Living Waters YouTube. May I mention something else we're working on? Oh, of course, please. On May the 6th this year, King Charles is going to, in front of the entire world, lay his hand on a Bible and promise to uphold the biblical truth of salvation by grace through faith. He's going to be given... Two swords, one's a sharp sword, the sword of justice, the other sword's blunt sword, the sword of mercy. He's going to be anointed with oil. He's going to uh, hold on to a, uh, an orb, which is a globe with a cross on the top, speaking of Christ's reign of the earth. And the whole world's going to come to church and, and look at this. So we've printed a gospel track called the Coronation 50-pound note, and we're giving away um, six million copies of these gospel tracks free of charge, and we pay the shipping. And people can find out about this uh, by going to livingwaters.com forward slash London. So these are completely free. Plus, we're paying the shipping to Europe, the United Kingdom, to Australia, to New Zealand, and anywhere in the U.S. We pay the shipping and the tracks completely free. And it's livingwaters.com forward slash London. Well, thank you so much for that. Again, that's Ray Comfort. His book that we've been talking about, How to Make Sure God Hears Your Prayers, and then also to lead us towards opportunities to lead people into the presence of God. Ray, thanks again for being here with us on Mornings with Tom and Tobby. Great to talk to you. God bless.